Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on today's podcast, we got the Jets defense, some Hellebuck talk, Jets development camp, and where's Brandon? Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. What's going on today, guys? It's one of your co-hosts, Tyson Rewicki, filling in right now. Um, you're probably wondering where Brandon is at this moment. And uh, to tell you the truth, he's gone. I had kicked him off. It's just me now. I am running the show solo. I'm, I'm just kidding. Brandon is still here. He is joining me right now. Brandon, how's it going? I was hoping that you were actually pulling a power play here and taking the throne for you. The, the Napoleon trailer jumps off this morning and already you're, you're taking Oh, I like it. I can dig it. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. So, yeah, we thought just because it was summer that maybe, you know, we switch, it, switch things up a little bit. And I'm going to take the hosting reins for the next couple episodes. So, get well, used to it. I think the main <laughs> thing is that Tyson is the final Rewiki hope to actually make it in broadcasting since I was <laughs> cast aside by a certain company and I'm pretty happy doing what I do now. So Tyson, we figure we're going to push all our chips into Tyson's basket right now. So no, <laughs> no pressure, just the Rewiki name on your shoulders. Hope you can handle it. <laughs> no kidding. I, you know what? To, to take a little bit of pressure off my shoulders, I'm going to put you on the hot seat here and that, as we've been doing the last couple episodes, we're gonna we're gonna start off with some trivia. And uh, as you mentioned in our last episode, the game that's been sweeping the nation right now, Puck Doku. I have become obsessed ever I since you it. showed it to me. It's like literally the first thing I do when I when I get on my phone in the morning. It's it's so addictive. I and was so actually I, I didn't know what we were gonna do for trivia, so I was I had to wait all day. It was it was torture <laughs> for me because I wanted to get into it, but I was like, well. Maybe that'll be like the trivia part for the podcast. So I haven't even done my Puck Doku for the day yet. I I've, I got a couple in already. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil it a little bit for you. And one of the tiles on Puck Doku today was 40 goal scores. So that's where you're gonna take trivia for today. So all right, all right. The first two, I think you've got a chance. There is absolutely zero chance you get the third question. And I am not gonna lie, I'm completely suing you, but. One of the answers is a hilarious name, so I have to I have to add it. All right, we'll you, you, you take my show, you take my reputation. What, what what's left? 
your soul after this after these <laughs> after this last question. Nice. <laughs> so we'll start off with kind of an easy one. So Ovechkin has the most 40 goal seasons in NHL history. Gretzky is number two. And there's a two-way tie for third. I'll give you one of them. Mario Lemieux. Can you tell me who's in a tie with Mario Lemieux? See, this is where I'm always like hesitant with trivia questions because I don't know if I should go with the obvious one or like pick somebody a little off the board. Like my my initial reaction would have been I would have picked Brett Hall for sure. But yeah, I AY I didn't I didn't say I was picking no, him. I'll, 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 I'll take the tip. Um interesting. You know, Mike Gardner. Mike Gardner might make some sense. Maybe Marcel Dion. Oh, let's do Marcel Dion. Oh, wow, that is correct. Marcel yeah. Dion was tied for third. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was one I didn't really expect, to be honest. But we'll make this next one a Jets theme. And we're not going to do the 2.0 Jets because, you know... <laughs> I feel confident with that. The last two 40 goal seasons happened in the last five years. So we'll keep that one out. In the first season, or the, the first 40 goal scorer for the Winnipeg Jets was Dale Howarchuk in 1982 and 83. But there was also one other Jet who scored 40 goals that year. Oh, okay. It might be, it might be Babs, Babich. But I, I know Laurie Boschman too had a couple good years in like the mid eighty. Babbage was my first guess. So I'll go with him. That's incorrect. It's not Babbage. Do you want a second guess or? No, no. I'm going to stick with that, <laughs> even though it's incorrect. More. No, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. I know, I know. Oh. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know. It's Paul McLean. No. Really? Nope. Paul McLean did score, I believe it was three. He had three 40-goal seasons, but it wasn't in the first season where the Jets had a 40-goal scorer. And that uh, that honor belongs to Morris Lukowicz. Ah! Uh, 41 goals. Dale Howard checked at 45. And uh, Lukowicz had only played, like, 71 games, too. So he actually, him and Dale Howard checked goals per game were pretty similar there. So now we move on to the this break. Is the hard, this is the hardest one? <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah so we're gonna keep it simple this is the it's a simple question with a not so simple answer who was the first 40 goal scorer in nhl history oh you're such a bad (laughs) word i know i know so many like old school guys the first 40 well well, give me a year at least (laughs) 1917 into 1918. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, can I get a couple guesses at least? Oh yeah. So I know like the one guy might have, I mean, he might even be a bit late for this, but I know Joe Malone was like a maniac. So I'll, I'll Joe Malone. That's correct. Is wow. it? Yes. I, I can't believe you pulled that out. He had 44 goals. That season, only four assists. <laughs> the ultimate Cy Young season. The reason but, I know Joe Malone so well is because, for those that don't know, um, I think 
I think he held the record for the longest time scoring seven goals. It might have been in a, in a cup final game. But tragically, the reason I know who Joe Malone is because he was such a prolific goal scorer. But he was one of the players that died in the influenza outbreak and they had oh, to yeah. cancel the Stanley Cup that year. Um, so that's yeah, I, I I just I know he's one of like the old school guys that scored like crazy. Newsy Lalonde would have been my other guess, which is like an all time hockey name. Um, and there's a couple others, but I know Joe Joe Malone lit it up in the tens. He was a yeah, he was a, he was an absolute cannon in the tens. That's a deep pull from there. But the, so the main reason why I wanted to go with that question was because the guy who was the second person to score forty goals in the NA, in NHL history, his name was Dit Clapper. Oh, that's another legendary <laughs> one, you. Clapper. So I, I had to include it just because of the name, but. There we go. You didn't, that's pretty good. I'm surprised you. The the second question was the one that threw you yeah. out. The moment, Lukowicz, like Joe, Joe Malone's just sitting there. It was funny because like even with Puck Doak, when I play Sporkle all the time, like there, I, I know a decent amount of like goal scorers for each team. And like Lukowicz would have been a guess like further down there, but I'm just doing the Puck Doku one now. And like for Colorado slash Quebec, I went Real Cloutier. Which wow. was a 0.1% guess, by the way. And like for That's... Dallas, Bobby Smith with the North Stars back in like the early 80s, I guess it would have been. You know who my Capitals pick was for the 40 goal score? Um, with Seven? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Seven. Seven dead. Exactly 40. Um, that year where the Capitals went absolutely crazy and then lost in the first round. <laughs> yeah. For mine, I did. Um, it was Semin as the for the Capitals forty goal score, uh, Dino Cicerelli for the Stars forty goal score, and then I kind of choked with the with the abs, and I just went with uh, Hayduk there. Hayduk, yeah, 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 the classic one. But there's our trivia for the episode. So Ben, you're gonna have to stump me next time. Maybe we can maybe we can do a, a dual trivia and Puck Doku because you and I just like that might be our favorite game on the internet right now. And it's we turned it into a drinking game on the weekend at the family <laughs> cabin. <laughs> Yes, we did. Happy birthday, and, uh, mom. <laughs> okay, and special shout out to our mom. Happy birthday yeah. over the weekend. Happy birthday, um, Linda. So we're gonna we're gonna shift gears here now and we're gonna move on to some Jets talk here. And uh what we wanted to start off the episode is you know, there's been some upheaval on the front end with Pierre Luc Dubois being shipped out, bringing Gabe Velarde, I follow, Kupari even on the bottom six. But there hasn't been much movement on the back end and it's really there's there's been a lot of questions with the back end i mean you know we have the log jam on the left side obviously there's some questions with some of the younger guys right like logan stanley Billy hanala and then even the, some of the veterans have been mentioned in trade talks over the past couple of weeks and so brandon i want to ask you what do you do if you're kevin shevel day off with this back end right now as it stands in the off season? Yeah, that's a great question. It's it's one I thought would have been answered already, to be honest. Like, it's pretty wild that we're almost at the midway point of July, and it's still the same decor as last year. And it's, I mean, what 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 can happen is a Johnny Kovacevic 2.0 situation with, with Declan Chisholm here. I mean, that would just be, that's that's GM malpractice if the club goes with this same group into preseason and potentially risks. I don't even know potentially risks. They would just lose them. Like there's going to be a team. There's going to be, like, I wonder if you would even get to like 
the fifth worst team in the NHL. You know what I mean? Like Chisholm would be such an easy pickup for for anybody out there. So to, to do Kobasevich to Montreal wasn't that wasn't very far down the waiver claim that year at the start of the season. Yeah, and guess what? Montreal picked themselves. A second pair of defensemen, probably, or at least by the numbers, he was that for for a really bad Habs team, albeit. But he he showed himself really, really well. And yeah, I mean, you want to talk about finding cap efficiency up and down your lineup, having a guy out of a you know million dollar contract playing close to twenty minutes a night for you is the way to go there. So that that's first and foremost there. When and where it happens, I have I honestly have no idea. I mean, to me, Tice the easy move still, and the one that I I do expect to happen. The logjam is on the left side, right? I mean, there's just too many guys there. And, and as it stands, somebody's likely going to need to play on their offside this year. But to me, the, the simplest move and the easiest move is that Brendan Dillon gets shipped out here. I, d- I don't know what necessitates that. I don't know if it's an injury or a team pivoting last second before camp gets underway. But you're talking about a guy pending UFA, under $4 million cap hit, even in the, the cap crunch world we live in, that's pretty easy to move out at a moment's notice. And you're not going to have to give up a whole lot to get a guy like Brendan Dillon. I, I think that's the move that ultimately we see get made there. It opens up a spot for Sandberg to take over on the second pair there. I mean, Morrissey Sandberg as your one-two seems to be set in stone at least. And that, that gives you a shot at least. And I guess the other part of it too is that I do believe I do believe one of Stanley and Hanela will be involved as a as an add-on in one of the trades the Jets makes yeah. this this offseason with either Hellebuck or Shafley. So I think yeah. that that I now I think those are going to be separate moves. I think we see Dylan ultimately traded for picks, maybe a late or a mid to late round pick, something like that. And then we see one of those two young defensemen being packaged along with the star to try to up the return as much as possible there. And if that's the moves there. Chisholm has a spot up there in the lineup and it gives you a little bit more flexibility in case somebody else improves at camp and presses at camp, or maybe there's somebody on the waiver wire. Maybe you can get in a guy that's a cap casualty somewhere else. I think though, I think two subtractions need to be made here for the jets to just have a working group. And that doesn't even take into account if they want to make a major addition, right? Tice, <laughs> like if they nope. want to improve on the defense, which is at best league average, you know, they need to, to add some talent in there as well. So, yeah, a lot to do. Not a lot of time anymore. We've passed the the busy movement part of the offseason. Um, but I, I just have to imagine that we, we see one high-priced veteran moved out here. And out of Pionk, Schmidt, and Dylan, Brandon Dylan seems to me like the probably the only one of those three that you can actually move without having to retain or give away for free. Yeah, no, I agree 100% there, especially with one of Stanley or Hanola being moved in a potential Hallibuck or Shifley deal. And like you mentioned, on, on potentially adding someone on the back end, I, I'm still not totally convinced that this offseason has cooled down yet. You know what I mean? Like, it's not – I still think there's – I still think there's some fireworks to be had. And I think you've heard – obviously, we've heard Hallibuck's name ad, ad nauseum the past couple weeks. But there's obviously still Eric Carlson in there. And Mark Shifley too, and, I, and so I think that there is still, there's still time to make some changes to that back end. But how much more can you improve? Like you mentioned, it's a league average defense right now. And if you're, let's say, you still have Connor Hellebuck going into the season, if your main goal is trying to convince Connor Hellebuck to stay in Winnipeg, that defense just isn't going to get it done. 
he's already played in front of that defense and gotten shelled and carried a team to the playoffs last season. And I don't think he wants to do this again. I think he wants to have more of a, I guess, a sustainable pace of play. You know what I mean? Instead of just a constant <laughs> barrage, a constant of- barrage of chances towards him. Exactly. And I mean, I still wonder about a Nate Schmidt or Neil Pionk move too. Because I just think stylistically, especially if you're bringing in Declan Chisholm, I think there's too many guys who sort of play that same same kind of role. And I'd even look, you mentioned Brendan Dillon. I, would, I don't mind Brendan Dillon as that third pairing left-handed defenseman. And if, if that means having to move Declan Chisholm to the right side for a little bit in early in his career, but you're giving him kind of sheltered minutes, getting him used to the pace of play. And then, you know, once you see some things in them, then maybe you can shuffle it. There could be moves there. There very well will likely be moves made during the season where, you know, spots could potentially open up. And yeah, it's, but it is, it is a little concerning just knowing that we are a little bit into it. Like we're already half of, we're halfway through July almost at this point. And there's, it's not much, no improvement actually. Like it's just, yeah, no, the same. it's the same group. It's, it's, it's the exact same group. I mean, at this point, with the way the Jets have painted themselves in a corner and with how the, the offseason has, has gone as a whole, where like it's just static in terms of movement, essentially, across the NHL, the only way they, they can improve is internally. And the only way you can internally improve is by, I think, giving these youngsters a bit more of an elevated role. Like, make Sandberg jump from the third pair sheltered into a second pair defenseman. Give Declan Chisholm a chance on the third pair there over somebody that, you know, probably has some seniority over him. That, that's it's the only way it's going to work. And if I'll tell you what, too, if I'm Declan Chisholm, he, not, not much time left in the summer here, but man, just practice the right side. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't, you know how to play the left side. You did that your whole life. That's the easy part. Just, just practice on the right side because there's going to be a spot there open for you if you want it. Um, but I think that's really the only spot or the only way that the Jets can improve that spot right now is just hoping one of the youngsters Gets a chance, surprises, and we and we see that all the time, and and takes takes a job and runs with it. But other than that, there, I I don't see a move out there that brings somebody impactful in with a without subtracting from elsewhere on the roster, but b just trying to fit all of that under the salary cap right now when half the teams out there have literally zero space to work with. Yeah, and I think this season is going to be very crucial for a lot of the guys who are between the, like the 23, 24, 22 year olds like Declan Chisholm. And I think that this season's really important in finding which guys you want to be a part of your team going forward. And that doesn't necessarily mean as a top pairing top four contributor, but even if you, if you could have a guy like Declan Chisholm who you know and can trust on your third D pair, I don't mind a, a left side going forward of the future of Josh Morrissey, Dylan Sandberg and Declan Chisholm. And then it's just about finding the right partners on the right side there, right? To kind of to complement all those guys' games. I mean, Morrissey and Chisholm are more play more of a similar style than than Samberg, but right there, like you have a guy like Neil Pionk put along the puck mover, a puck mover with with Dylan Samberg. And you know, the last season wasn't all great at times with those two, but hey, it's this season to me is more so about the future. And it's not like as much as you want to make the playoffs this year, and it would be nice to make the playoffs this year. I think it's very important to find guys who you want to build a culture around and you want to be a part of this new wave of the Winnipeg Jets. So, yeah, I think I think it's more so of a play the kids kind of approach. Do you, I agree with you? You're going to have to move out some veterans. 
And I, I think you kind of answered this in, in your last response, but I just wanted to ask if there is a move for, let's say Nate Schmidt or Neil Pionk and, you know, Chevy's not totally comfortable with the kind of the depth on the right side. Are there anyone in free agency that potentially piques your interest, even though there's not a lot of guys left at this point? No. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, let's face it. Any, I mean, I guess Matt Dumb is the big name available, right? Right. And, and my thinking there is we've seen the last couple contracts and, I think now that you can for Matt Dumba, you're he's almost expecting a one year deal at this point, right? Oh so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, that's all you're gonna get. And to be honest, that's not the worst spot to be in as well, right? Like right with just, the, with just the rise try to re up your value and uh, hit it big when the cap goes up next season. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a weak class to begin with. There's usually a reason that um, defensemen make it to market in in, in free agency and. I just don't think there's a whole lot out there. And I'd be much more willing to give a guy like Chisholm, even though he's a lefty, a shot on the right side there. Basically anybody. Uh, I, I just, yeah, nah, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I like Carson Susie as a potential option, but uh, clearly too rich and uh, too quick for the Jets to pounce on back on July 1. Yeah, and there's also some major injury concerns with Dumba too, how much he's going to slow down and whatnot, but. Yeah, there there goes our breakdown of the Jets decor that has not changed since the beginning of last season. So let's see let's see what happens when training camp comes around. Maybe there's a surprise name that we're not even thinking about. That Carlton. <laughs> that shocks the world. Or a camp invite, a different Carlson that comes out of nowhere. Maybe can kind of. I'm down. Some of your Carlson wants that. I'm down. Let's do it. So desperately preaching, please. Please, please, Eric. Please, God. But uh, we're going to move on to, uh, well, we're going to get to the Debrinkat trade in a second. But Kevin Weeks had an interesting tweet shortly after the Debrinkat trade. And it was a picture of Connor Hellebuck and about 30,000 eye emojis, too, which is the typical Kevin Weeks tweet. The Weeksy. But he said something to keep an eye on, of course. Is Connor, and this, is, this isn't the exact verbatim of the of the tweet but it was along the lines of is Connor Hellebuck the next domino to fall in this offseason and it kind of piqued my interest and I, I want to get your thoughts first because I think that that tweet had a little bit of subcontext to it that goes into it but I want to hear your thoughts first oh yeah probably because he knows something we don't know <laughs> and he's kind of been <laughs> teasing that for a while now he mentioned like Gibson and Hellebuck a little while back and now he's going back down the Hellebuck train here i mean first and foremost the picture that he used was so badass like that's yeah. if i'm heli like that's that's hated up on on my wall in the basement somewhere like it's just a good picture i don't know i mean look weeks obviously knows more than i do i'll, I'll still be really surprised if he gets moved like i just don't i don't see it out there right now and unless the jets retain which is insane that they would have to retain on Connor Hellebuck at six and change, right? But unless they retain or throw in an asset that we're not really expecting, I just don't see a trade the Jets even come close to winning moving Hellebuck. So I, I'll, I'll be surprised, but it, it sounds, you know, according to Weeksy, like it's going to be a little bit closer and sooner than later. But to me, I'll, I'll stick with my original prediction in that we do see Mark Schleifley moved at some point here. Uh, the Matthew Kachuk trade happened 
later in July last year. So there is precedent for a big move later on in the offseason. But I just don't see the market all of a sudden heating up for Connor Hellebuck. And I I'll I'll be I'll be surprised if he's moved. I'm I would I would bet on him starting game one here in Winnipeg, like Laurent Brassois said a couple of days ago. Yeah, it's int- I I kind of have a feeling that he's gone. I, I really do. And the and the subcontext that I was thinking about with that tweet is, you know, shortly after the Debrinka trade goes through, and he says, "Is he the next domino to fall?" And I I kind of just had a sneaky suspicion that the Stevie Y go full in, because and and we'll get to this later as well with the Debrinka trade, but that that team's kind of like in the middle right now with it where everything is and i think ken holland really really hampered the detroit really Red screwed Wings. him <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that's a that's a more blunt way to put it but yeah like he did screw them right like it's like the last couple of years we we just saw zadina get signed by san jose today that was a sixth overall pick with a lot of hype My, michael rasmussen too i mean he had a little little bit of a bounce back season this year but you know, he's not the guy that they thought. He's not the big hulking power forward that they thought they were getting. And I'm not, to me, it doesn't necessarily make sense to just make that Debrinket trade with that roster. I don't think it makes them head and shoulders above some of those other teams that are in the Atlantic, right? Like even Ottawa. Like I don't, I still think Ottawa might have a better team than Detroit there. Buffalo's rising up. They haven't made as many moves as I thought they were going to this offseason to kind of bolster that lineup. But still a team that could come together and has some potential to develop, especially adding some younger pieces. But yeah, like I just don't see how that, that move alone makes you a contender. And while you're shipping off some futures that could potentially help you in a, in a few years, I wonder if there's something to look, look ahead to with Detroit and Connor Hellebuck and reuniting him with his, with one of his best friends, Andrew Kopp. I mean, a deal now would be, it would be interesting to see what the what the makeup of that deal is. You would have to think Billy Huso would be coming the other way, and at the and at this point, Billy Huso. I, I mean, you should be getting additional assets for taking on Billy Huso for Connor Hellebuck. I mean, he's only making, I think it's one point six million less than Connor Hellebuck. So you'd be doing Detroit a massive favor there and and taking that back. And I think you could get some some extra capital. And plus, you're moving him out to an Eastern Conference team. And you're getting him out of that division and not having to face him multiple times a year as opposed to just two moving him to the East. But uh, Detroit's there. and But to me, Brandon, New Jersey just... It's, it, it's got to be New Jersey, right? It's, it's sort of like Dubois, right? Where those rumors are coming out and it kind of just got to the point where it's not a matter of like when it's going to happen. It's or Sorry, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when it's going to happen. And... Jersey's just staring. And to me, Dawson Mercer is just the clear-cut target there. And Man, I- if, she- if Chevy pulls that off, and I, Mercer might not be a superstar-level player, but that's a that's a damn good player. Like, I, well, I think a lot of Jets fans would be, like, I mean, probably a better asset than than Velarde was coming back exactly. and I mean that that was no joke as well I mean that I, I I agree like if any team's gonna do it New Jersey just makes too much sense to me because Hellebuck to Detroit that makes them a playoff team I think but but a lower end one right 
I, I just don't I don't know why you would go and push all your chips in I, and unless he gets to an extension there. But it, it doesn't seem like the way Iserman's kind of been slow playing this. But if he goes to Jersey, they're probably the cup favorite in the East. Yeah. Right. Like, well, that, that's... Against Carolina. Yeah, I, I, I might lean to Jersey at that point, to be honest. Like to, to me, that's that's the 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 big trump card they'd be able to hold over all those other teams is like i mean without them they're one of the cup contenders in the east with them it's 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 a bit of a deal breaker there and i i just i don't know i could i could see jersey breaking the bank for him at the deadline but if you're looking at it through that lens it's like let's just do it now and and if he signs an extension great if not he's he's our one-year rental and we we make a run of this thing and if we win a cup and he goes that's fine too right but to me, it's Jersey or bust. I would be surprised to see somebody else come in. And to be honest, I think if another team goes after Hellebuck, they're not going to be able to give up much of a package. So, from yeah, I think if you're a Jet fan right now, it's Hellebuck starts game one of the season or in Winnipeg or he starts game one of the season in Jersey. Any other outcome, I'd be pretty bummed about. Yeah, and, I, and to me, Mercer's just the perfect target too because we saw the Jesper Brad signing. We saw the Timo Meyer signing. They're paying a lot of money in their top six right now. And I don't know if they can add another big contract there. And I think if Mercer's playing in that top six, I think he's going to put up some serious numbers this season. And he's an RFA going, not this, obviously this season, but the season after that, he's going to be demanding a pretty big pay raise. And I think if you could get him out sort of now before, because I think if once we get to the deadline, I think Mercer comes off the table at that, at that point. Because you yeah. sort of oh for, for sure for sure and I mean the other thing too is you know it's not perfect obviously but for Jersey too you could give up Vanacek instead yeah. of Akira Schmidt in the deal so you shave off three point four million Mercer is nine hundred k so I mean right there four and a half just under four and a half million dollars like the salaries almost kind of match right there. And if Hellebuck's gone, hopefully Schmidt's your goalie of the future anyways. Right? So it's yeah. it, it, that could make sense. And I bet you that's what Chevy's holding out for right now. And that's why no trade's been done just yet. I'll be surprised, though. I'm, I'm still banking on Helly being here for game one. But I'll tell you what, if they did pull off the Mercer trade with Jersey, and, I mean, Vanacek, Brassois, a tandem is, yeah, but... <laughs> What's interesting is that, I mean, one, that could potentially open up Shifley to Boston for Swayman as part of a package. Uh, but more importantly, I mean, you could bring a defenseman in talking about how do we improve that decor. You know, Shifley for some defenseman, defensive prospect out there, makes things a little bit easier if you're the Winnipeg Jets, where you don't have to go, well, how do we replace Shifley, you know, with a centerman in a trade? Well, might be able to do that in a Connor Hellebuck move. And then with the Shifley one just fills out a hole elsewhere on the roster. Yeah, and and even Dawson Mercer, like he's, I think he's better on the wing, but he he played center sometimes at at times with New Jersey this past season. So, you know, you kind of have that potential revolving door this this season with Cole Perfetti, Gabe Velarde, and and potentially Dawson Mercer, where it's like we have some guys who could play center. And hey, the Jets can't win a faceoff anyway, so who the hell cares? <laughs> one, one of them should hit. Yeah, what I mean, this is not going to change much in the dot. Maybe one of them could play defense. All right, right. Like, we'll, we'll figure it out. One last Hellebuck question: How many more times do we see a Kevin Weeks keep an eye on Connor Hellebuck this offseason? Three. 
<laughs> one one more for this month and then two in august yeah maybe yeah maybe, and then maybe maybe even one more in september where it's keep an eye on him starting <laughs> in winnipeg because my intel was wrong god i i do love weeksy though can't we can't we see some beauty but and uh and moving on now we do have just a just a touch on some last jets some jets news i guess some discussion but development cam wrapped out wrapped up not too long ago and you know like some people i feel like to take a little too much out of development camp sometimes you know like if people are are sort of looking to see you know like who's going to be who's going to be the best player out of a draft right away because of development camp but development camp sort of more getting acclimated to the city getting used to the culture of the team and kind of getting that that next wave of players to create some relationships but figuring out who's a bust and who's not (laughs) exactly it's it's the perfect time to make way too soon predictions yeah but uh declarations on their entire playing career off of a (laughs) two-day sample but i I think i think you had some thoughts about development council so two thoughts really one jet related one more league-wide that i i think you're going to be a fan of my proposal we'll call it but what was neat to me about this development camp, Thais, is that if you were to try to instill or define it in one sentence, it would be that the vibes are high in Winnipeg. Like, this was a... It felt like a kumbaya session. Half the, like, I, I was really... Like, these these guys... I guess what really just jumped out to me is these guys seem jacked to be in Winnipeg. I just thought it was really cool. And, and seeing... And, I don't know if it necessarily was an emphasis made by the scouting team, but the recent selections specifically of, of Rutger McGroarty and Colby Barlow, guys in and around the area of, of Manitoba, we'll call it, scholastic players, captain materials, that that kind of shown out in a big way. And, and seeing McGroarty almost take the leadership role of camp, um, and then Barlow not playing too far behind. They were like Dale and Brennan. They it was like watching Step Brothers hockey version. I, I just thought it was cool. You know, I, I didn't get to see a whole lot of it. I mean, it, again, it's kind of tough to make assumption. Uh, you know, who's this? Who's that? Who's going to be good? Who's not going to be good? Off two days against guys that you never played with before in your life. That sort of a thing. But I, I just like the the emotions that that were kind of oozing out of, of of the iceplex there I, I it just it, it it feels like the fan base as a whole is leaning towards a fresh start here and i think it just got amplified by what we saw with the youngsters out here in winnipeg over those two days and i, I think kelly moore actually put it really really well about uh rucker mcgordy and uh, how he said how he said uh just it just the quiet confidence of him right he's got he, he has a swagger but it's not a cocky swagger too. you know what i mean like it's a very it's using your social skills and your social social abilities to bring people in as opposed to push people out as a group and yeah like like you mentioned man like he's just interesting in, yeah interesting that that's the line of thinking compared yeah, to who was the leadership group before exactly but he no matter what how he turns out as an nhl player and i think regardless of whether he hits his ceiling or his floor Rucker McGordy is going to be a player at the NHL level in some capacity. And I think like he'll be a player in some capacity. I think he's going to wear a letter on his Jersey 
no matter where he plays in the lineup. I like at, at worst you kind of see him sort of like in that Adam Lowry leadership role. Not 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 I was gonna, I, maybe like a Chris Drury. Yeah, like, like, a, like a guy like you know he might not ever crack sixty points. You know, might like might be a 40, 50 point guy, but like hey, I, we'll we'll go through the fire with him. Like, oh, let's yeah. let's go to let's go to war. We got to figure McGrody is just too much of a nightmare to say. We got to figure out a different handle for him. Well, hopefully, he gets a good nickname early on in his Jets career because I hate I hate saying McGrody. But <laughs> um, yeah, the, the kid, the kids, the kid seems like the real deal. I'm a fan at least. But what a haul, man! To go McGrody Lambert in the first round two years ago, great, great work by the Jets. Well, and, and even throughout that draft, Elias Solomonson yeah. had a, has been really awesome. I think he's going to be a real, real solid player for the Jets. And another guy that that stood out at the camp, from what I've heard, is that Danny Jilkin. Danny Jilkin was all over the ice. Like he was, he was putting it's. He has that same effort level as as like Barlow and McGrody and. It's a common theme with these Jets prospects that that are coming in, and it's just high character guys who, you know, they just want to win. They just want to win and play hockey, and it's it's a nice change of pace after what we've seen, like you mentioned, the past couple of years with how we've seen results on the ice from what you from what we could make assumptions about from inside the locker room, right? Like it's just nice to see that. Yeah, you're 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 built. playing you're playing pro hockey for a living. Just, just be, just be jacked about that, right? It's not the is, is it the bright lights in New York? No, are you getting money to play hockey? It's gonna be okay. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be just fine here with the right attitude, the right mindset, and these new guys got it. Oh, the, the foundation is being built. I think Jets fans have a ton, ton to be excited about. Um, oh, and, and also, I want to mention too that Chubakov. My goodness, I, I, I saw a video of him taking some shots. Holy moly! That's another like another big late later round steal from Kevin Sheveldayoff. Like that's the Jets. The cupboard. It, it, there's like a lot of names in their prospect pool right now that probably don't stick out as opposed to like the Rucker McGordys, Brad Lamberts, and and Colby Barlow's. But there's a lot of very solid pieces to keep an yeah, eye on. They're they're going to hit on a couple of those mid rounders for sure. One hundred percent. Now the and other that, thing, yeah the other thing I wanted to mention about Dev Camps. I think the NHL is missing a major opportunity here. And I think, I don't know how many people are, are ball fans that listen to the podcast. I know there's a lot of ball fans here in the city. But how jacked up would you be? And why isn't the NHL doing a mini summer league like the NBA does right after the draft and having these teams and their let's call it under 22 year olds, whatever you want to do with it. Right. But why, would, why are we seeing these teams go head to head with their youngsters out there, put on a bit of a show and get people jacked up in the middle of the summer when there'd be no eyeballs on hockey. Right. I, and for those that don't know, I, this kind of stems off the Victor Wembenyama debut with the Spurs over the weekend. I, I wouldn't have been even dreaming about thinking of basketball in early July. But I saw he was on TV. I watched pretty much the whole game. And then I caught his second game as well. And there's a handful of other kids that were kind of interesting, right? I I, I think the NHL needs to get on this. Have all these kids, all these teams, pick a location, maybe not Vegas. Uh, having a bunch of 18, 21-year-olds in Vegas might not be the best idea. But you can throw them <laughs> pretty much anywhere, right? Anywhere where there's a bunch of rinks. 
and get these kids playing a couple of games. You're telling me Winnipeggers wouldn't have been pumped to see Colby Barlow for the first time up against his peers? I, I, I think the NHL is missing an opportunity here. I, I agree with you that it would be very entertaining to watch and exciting. But for me, the concern is that you get a guy who comes in on a camp invite and he wants to try and make a name or something and he goes and, and hurts a top prospect and you know lays a, a questionable hit. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about a guy who's going to have to miss maybe his draft plus one season because some noble, some camp invite that got invited at, at the last second who's 22 years old. And it's kind of like on his last legs in his NHL, not just his NHL career, his hockey career. And yeah, he, like he lays out a big hit and just, and he hurts someone. That, like that would, no, but you, but you would limit it. You would limit it to, you know, 20, let's just say under 21 and under, right. Or, or whatever it might be. Right. Like it's going to like, and, and kids won't, they're not going to be stupid like that. Like you're, you're not going to make a team nowadays by taking out a first round pick. Like it's just it's it's a different era, right? I I don't think it's a concern that that can happen in preseason too. By the way, like you don't cancel preseason because somebody could get hurt. I don't know. I, I just think it's an opportunity miss. People are talking basketball right now when they shouldn't be. People could be talking hockey right now when they shouldn't be. I mean, maybe they just need a maybe Rucker McGordy has to have a run in with. The th- a different pop star instead of Britney Spears. Like maybe there's because that that's what that's been one of the biggest storylines in sports the last the last couple of days is that. But uh, that's why you don't do it in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Pick, pick a different spot wherever yeah. you want it to be. That's fine. Could do it at the Highlander. They got a bunch of rings, right? Like I don't know. <laughs> figure it out. We 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 can do this. I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't need any more Britney Spears incidents in in any league of sports right now. Leave but. Britney alone. <laughs> don't you know that i'm toxic (laughs) (laughs) but uh to end the episode off and to to get past that britney spears little jam sesh let's talk about the the second biggest sign and trade that's happened this offseason and alex debrink is going to detroit a move that we all kind of saw coming like it was it's been on the hot stove since the draft and like the like the Dubois trade, like the potential Hellebuck trade, it was a matter of when and not if, right? Like, so what are your initial thoughts on the Debrinket trade? And let's start off with what it does for Detroit. You know, I guess my thought was, you know, people saying like, why is Detroit doing this? Does it make them a contender? Yada yada yada. They gave a pretty much nothing for a guy that could pot forty in his sleep. Like I, I, I think Stevie White just he's like, hey, this is a buy low situation to the max. Why, why wouldn't I jump all over this? If we get a young guy, you basically get him through the prime of his career, then you can reassess it in four years. Like they didn't break the bank in in any way, really. They got him on a, I think, a perfectly reasonable salary. You give up very, very little in terms of a value to to Ottawa there, likely Boston's first round pick in next year's draft, so something in the late twenties there. I think it's a massive, massive W for for the Iser plan. The Iser plan is back in motion now. For Ottawa, it's just a disaster. I I, I don't mind the risk they took, but oh my lord, did they did they ever eat it? Like they ate, it. they just ate it, and it sucks. And I feel bad for them because I think here in Winnipeg we can understand being in a similar situation, but they just ate it. Now, if, I, if I'm the Sens there and that's the return, I'm not moving them. Like I'm not trading them then. If we have to Especially, wait till training camp to do something, then we'll do it then. 
And you're a team that has playoff aspirations too. So it's not even the end of the world if he stays on your team for this season, right? Uh, yeah, I, I I just didn't get the rush from them on this. If that was going to be the package, right? Like just try try to slow pay. Maybe you sign him to a one-year deal. If he walks, whatever, like move him at the debt. But to, to just ship him out at this point for peanuts, I don't like it. Don't like it at all. Yeah, and I saw a couple Ottawa fans on Twitter, you know, saying it's pretty much what we gave up for him when we no, got him from Scott. Stop no, it. it's not. It's not even close. You gave up number seven, number thirty-nine, and then I forget if the third-round pick was that year or the year or this year, but not even close. That's not a pick in the late twenties, and Dominic Kubalik is not close to what yeah, you gave. It sucks being in denial. It sucks, but he just. <laughs> It, yeah, it's 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 brutal. I do feel bad for them, but like you, it's nothing but a huge L. There's, there's no other way to sugarcoat it. And, but but now I sort of think because of Ottawa having those playoff aspirations, do you think there's a move out there that they can make now that they have the ammunition with that extra first round pick? To potentially I have no idea. I have yeah. No idea what Ottawa's. Ottawa is always they kind of operate on their own planet, right? I mean, this is the team that traded Sabinajad. And added a second round pick for Derek Brassard. There's no telling what they might do. So I don't know, Tice. I wouldn't believe anything, but I it's tough too because they've got that the ownership situation, everything's in flux. And like being a Chelsea fan and the absolute clown show that happened last year. When people don't really I think they just completely underestimate ownership moving different parts here and there. I think Ottawa's. I think it's going to be a rough, rough year in Ottawa this year. I, I, I do because there's just it's happening way too fast, and it's it's really, really tough when everything's going on behind the scenes to focus on what's going on out there on the ice, especially when it's in the toughest division in hockey. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent, and I think too maybe signing Corpusalo to that big time contract so quickly could blow up in their face because with the assets that they have now after this Debrinka trade, that it looks like a decent spot for a Hellebuck trade. Now there's the concerns that he wouldn't re-sign in Ottawa, which is the good. Yeah. The concerns being he will not re-sign in Ottawa. (laughs) But if you're like, especially if you're Pierre Dorian, who's, you know, likely in all likelihood, he's, this is his last season as Senator's GM, a new ownership group coming in. You know, we've already heard the rumors about Steve Steos being, next up there in Ottawa but yeah they've got the assets now and I and I do think they're gonna make a move and I would keep an eye on Travis Konechny you know you have the Ottawa Whoa. connection here captain of the 67s in his junior season friends with Giroux there's actually there's quite a bit of former Flyers that play with Claude Giroux on the on this Ottawa Senators team now so that's I wouldn't be surprised to see Travis Konechny head back home to Ottawa Hey, if they get Ottawa's first-round pick unprotected, sign me up for that one. Yes, please. And then just tossing that uh, that pick that Detroit gave you gave you for Debrinket too, just as a little sweetener. Come on. But uh, yeah, so that's where we're gonna end the episode. There. Thank you all for listening so so much. Uh, we're gonna be back again on Friday. Yeah, sorry, we we took a little bit of a hiatus there. You know, just the the weekend was coming up. There were some extra plans, and we weren't able to get an episode out there for you guys. So apologies there and as always if anything happens if there's a Connor Hellebuck Mark Shifley trade we'll dish out a podcast for you guys on that night so keep keep it posted here I'm Tyson Rowicki co-host Brandon Rowicki not doing the close off tonight thank you guys all so much for listening and we'll talk to you later take it easy